fire. Okay, okay, listen to me. The human world is a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got going on up there. This seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there. Hello and welcome to the Disney remake. I'm your host, Carl Pierce, and with me is Sam Carmichael. Hello, Sam. Hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. And this isn't like our fifth attempt to try and get this going. <laughs> so yeah, I'm good. The tennis has started, so you know I've been watching a bit of tennis today, Wimbledon. And have you been up to much today? Uh, nothing much. Just watching some wrestling, trying to catch up. <laughs> ah, what? Any wrestling in particular? Uh, AEW. We were watching it for a while. Then we got a bit of burnout because we're watching it week to week. So we stopped watching it for a few months and now we're just kind of backtracking. Uh, yeah, I kind of get that. I haven't, I thought, well, I would say I haven't watched Russia for a while, but I've really cut back. I tend to just watch Smackdown I'm up on a Saturday morning. So I'll watch, so watch it, sort of fast forwarding through the boring bits. <laughs> I can't be bothered <laughs> with. So I think you get through it in about an hour on a Saturday morning. That's not too bad. I probably would have watched Money in the Bank things that was in uh, London, but I was um, at a friend's barbecue. So, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> but there we go. So, we're here today to talk about the Disney live action remakes. Uh, a lot of their um, sort of classic cartoons. Why they keep doing them, how many more can we expect, and is there really any point to them? Oh, this is Sam's idea. So, Sam, start us off. What, what, what do you make of these remakes, and how many have you actually seen? Well, I think I've seen most, most of them, I think. Uh, I haven't seen the newest one, the Little Mermaid one, just yet, because I usually wait for them to be on the streaming platform and then watch it that way because I'm already paying for Disney Plus so I thought might as well. Uh, so I think the most recent one I seen was the uh, Peter Pan and Wendy which was just awful. Um, I didn't like it at all. Uh, I just think it's really bad when the version of Peter Pan that came out in 2003 in live action is better than the one we're getting in 2023. But um, yeah, I think I've seen most of them, and I think they range between their good slash okay to just being really bad. So is Peter Pan and Wendy like a straight remake of Peter Pan? Because the fact they call it Peter Pan and Wendy is, is confusing me. So I'm not too sure if it's meant to be a prequel or a sequel or just uh, a complete remake. Yeah, it's pretty much a, a complete remake. They just take away all of the, uh, you know, like the childhood wonder uh, of the original. And they try and make it really dark and gritty. And the way they portray Neverland, it just looks like anywhere in the Scottish Highlands. It doesn't, it doesn't look like this magical place that young children would want to run away to. 
that because it was filmed in the Scottish Islands by any chance? Uh, I'm not too sure. I haven't looked that up, uh, but <laughs> I, it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, I mean, you have to you have to sort of film in locations. You don't have the uh, same sort of artistic freedom when you're just sort of drawing uh, a magical world. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sort of do whatever you like because you're not having to worry about where you're going to stick cameras and where people are going to stay overnight. And you know, you've got different, you know, not the same sort of budget constraints to to worry mm-hmm. about as well. Because this this place is cheaper to film than that place and, and whatnot. We tend to use, I mean, they have been used in Britain quite a lot lately for films, but Canada tends to get used quite a lot for sort of foresty locations and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just, it just, like, even if they did shoot on location and they put some, maybe some kind of filter over it or something just to make it a little bit more magical. Uh, it just seems so dreary and so dark. I feel like with these live action remakes and like someone put a light on, please, it's like they're so dark. We have no need to be that dark. <laughs> so um, this isn't actually the first time we've done sort of a live action theater pan, as you said, but this one even further back in uh, 90 or 91, we did Hawk. Mm-hmm. Like a grown up theater pan. Have you ever seen Hawk? Oh, yeah, I loved it growing up. Oh, I just thought it was amazing, that film. Yeah, that that is a, a good film. Probably because they sort of say it's like a sequel to Peter Pan has grown up and uh, he's left Neverland and then Hook, um, Captain Hook comes looking for him. And yeah, it's got a, it's got a tremendous cast. Robin Williams playing Peter Pan. I think Bob Hoskins is, is in it. Um, Justin Hoffman plays Captain Hoff. Julia Roberts played Tinkerbell. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, remember going, I remember going to see it when I was about 11 years old or something, something to that effect. I remember my brother had it on VHS uh, and I used to watch it all the time uh, when I was younger. And yeah, I just thought, uh, it just like if you're going to make uh, something that's so like well known and do like a remake of it that's how you do it you do it in a different way that's not been done before and I just thought it was so creative and imaginative with the the sets and things like that where they did make it seem more you know adult uh, a bit more grown up with the with the sets being a bit more I guess dark but not like physically dark but more gritty uh, without actually having everything all shadowy and, you know, really uh, badly lit. Yeah, anyway, because things, you know, everything that's supposed to have changed in Adita Pan's absence and, and some of it was based in sort of real world as well. So, yeah, it was quite a cool concept and it's been a quite a while. I actually bought it from where I work uh, on DVD. So um, I'm not going to be watching it now. It's been a fair few years since I've seen it. I'm looking forward to sticking that on and uh, seeing what it's like. Mm. Getting back to the uh, issue at hand. Yeah, I think I've seen possibly two or three of the the remakes. I've seen the Jungle Book one. 
Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't find too bad, to be fair, for for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the Mulan one, which a lot of people derived, but I didn't mind it. But I've never actually watched the original cartoon Mulan, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't really have anything to compare it to. to <laughs> I thought the Jungle Book was really, really good um, compared to some of the other ones. The way that they took it and they tried to do a bit more than just do a like shot for shot remake of the original uh, was quite good. Um, I really did quite like that one. Uh, the Mulan one, I could go on a rant about. I really don't like what they did with Mulan it just seems like everything that they accomplished with the cartoon they took everything away from her in the live action remake Uh, because in the original she uses like she's not physically stronger than all her comrades so she has to like use her wits and be smart and uh, because there's the bit where she climbs a pole and she has to use these two weights, but she can't physically just carry them up. So she has to tie them around the pole and kind of use it as a counterweight for her own weight and make her way up the pole that way. Um, but in this one, it's like they have her carrying water and she just does it because she's magical and she has a superpower called Chi. And it just seemed to take away everything everything that made the original character so unique and different and make her smart and actually be able to use her wits and her intelligence to overcome obstacles where in in live action she's like I'm just super powered I can just do it so that it really annoyed me that way all right well I can see why you wouldn't like it that I do I just I just assume that's what the um uh the cartoon version was like but obviously not so uh, there you go so yeah I didn't realize you changed it quite that much yeah and the annoying thing was uh with the live action Mulan just seemed perfect uh so when she was in the matchmaker scene it's actually her sister that causes everything to go crazy whereas in the original animated movie she's just being herself and and the matchmakers uh saying things like speaking without permission and things like this uh, she's not gonna make a good bride and things like that and it's her own um not quite flaws but it's her own kind of personality that doesn't quite fit in with the traditional uh setting that she's living in uh so it is quite annoying to see it be oh it can't be her fault it has to be because of her sister because her sister sees a bug or something and then she's like oh no uh, that's when everything goes up in the air <laughs> ah right well it's um it's strange that they decided to change it so much because for the sound of it you really need to make those changes really but you know you can still do the live action in a similar way to what they did the cartoon one, but it would make a lot of sense when they made those changes. And perhaps if I had watched the original version first, I might have 
just like the live action one as much as everybody else. So I kind of get the I kind of get the hate that I have to even <laughs> explain that. Mm, yeah, I feel like uh, it just did the character a disservice by taking away all the the character growth that she had in the original, uh, and it didn't really need to change anything uh, because the original story is so um, it's just so relatable for people who feel like they don't fit in and they're just trying to be something that they're not in order to fit in with their society's norms uh, and then it turns out that with her kind of you know being who she is that's actually how she's able to succeed instead of trying to fit these you know stereotypical norms that she needs to be in she's able to you know stop trying to be something that other people want her to be and just being herself and that's how she's able to um save the day in the end so yeah it just seems like they it's like they tried to make her more powerful and make her more I guess girl boss but she was already like a girl boss originally just it was just more believable so yeah it, it just seems like they've made obvious changes because people are probably complaining about oh these live action remakes are just shot for shot the same film make some changes but the changes they made weren't the completely wrong changes that you should make yeah because that, that's the sort of complaints i heard about the lion king remake it was pretty much shot to shot um from the animation is that fair because i've not seen the, the new lion king yeah and that's the funny thing um the live action remake it's still completely animated only it's a different style of animation instead of it being cartoon animation it's cgi animation so it, it's kind of strange it just kind of boggles my mind why they decided to do this because it's if you look at both the films back to back like even if you got one shot to shot the amount of emotion that they have on the animated from the original like the animated simba uh during certain scenes is completely uh so much better than the live action remake simba because animals can't like they try and make them so lifelike that you lose all emotion they can't emote with their face because a cat can't do that so it just kind of it's very strange why they want to make live action movies uh, especially with characters like especially animals that don't have any emotion on their faces so it's very strange uh, you say that but i'm pretty sure i can tell my cat <laughs> <laughs> well the animators for the lion king certainly didn't know how to uh make lions look emotional they just look dead-eyed honestly it just looks so one facial expression for everything for sadness for happiness for everything <laughs> well it's actually if i remember correctly there's no real human character this though in the lion yeah, yeah, it's just all 
animals and birds and things like that and it's just so strange but I do think it's interesting uh, with one of the newer films that are going to be coming out which is uh, a sequel uh, not a sequel but a prequel to The Lion King called Mufasa which they're bringing out in live action so that would be interesting I think with with live actions if they do some kind of spin on the original so that you're not just doing a you know shot for shot remake like so if they hadn't bothered bringing out the lion king and just brought out mufasa then i think that would have been at least it'd be something different uh, but you're also getting to see the live action uh genre i guess it's at this point we can call it a genre uh but i think yeah if you had like some kind of twist on it uh for example i think maleficent had a pretty decent twist where instead of just getting Sleeping Beauty again, we get to see it from the villain's perspective, which I think is, it's different at least. So you are getting the live action element, but you're also getting a twist on these classics. Well, again, it's like, a, it's a prequel nobody's really asked for, is it? And nobody's really clamoring for a Mustafa um, prequel. And if they don't bring Jeremy Irons back to voice Scar. I mean, what are they even doing? Yeah, that is true. It, it just seems like they're just trying to bank on people's nostalgia for all these properties. Because so, most of the people that have seen these films are adults now and they've got their own kids. They want to experience these stories in the cinema again with their little ones and... I think it's just banking on people's nostalgia for these properties and these characters. Um, so, yeah, it just seems like they're just trying to cash grab. And I think now that we're on, like, probably live action remake number 25, I think people are starting to kind of see the pattern and they're starting to kind of understand that, oh, this is just the same uh, rinse and repeat just over and over and I think I've seen a, a meme somewhere saying once they've completed all the classics, what are they going to do? They're going to go on to all the direct-to-DVD sequels and do all them as live actions. Uh, just just never run out of content. It'll be Toy Story next. Well, they'll have Tom Hanks and Tim Allen dressed up as Woody and Buzz Lightyear. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but... Um... It, it, yeah, it is. It is, the, it's, is that what it is? 25 or is that a number you just made up? I, I made it up. I'm not actually too sure how many there have been, but there's there's been quite a lot. Uh, I'm not actually too sure. I'll uh, to be honest. That's <laughs> there, Yeah, there has been a fair few. But, I mean, I can understand to a point uh, when you've got human characters, like at least... Um, Jungle Book, you had, you know, your central character was, was a, you know, a human character mogwai. Um, and also there's like humans and human hybrids and uh, the little mermaid, which mm-hmm. the sort of, and again, this, um, they sort of cause controversy with these live action films because they're, they're casting people different, you know, that are different from the mm-hmm. original character. I mean, it makes no ends to me, but. You know, obviously a lot of these diehards don't, don't seem to like it when they, you know, they change the character's hair colour or skin colour or, or mm-hmm. something like that. 
Yeah, and I feel for me, I don't mind too much as long as the actor or the actress, as long as they can sing the parts, as long as they can act, I don't really mind that much. But it is, it has been pretty crazy the amount of uh, quote-unquote controversy that this whole live-action Little Mermaid has, you know, brought out in people. It's just, it just seems so unnecessary. Uh, as long as the actress can sing, as long as she can act, then I don't know what the problem is. I think what people should be getting so angry about is the fact that they took Flounder and Sebastian, these cute little animated characters, and turned them into absolute monstrosities. <laughs> that's what people should be really angry about. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was about to say, forget about Ariel. It's what they've done to Sebastian and Flounder. Oh. <laughs> worries me. That's, the fact... you've, got, you've got to make them look realistic now because you're doing it in a a realistic a realistic realistic setting where in the cartoon you, you sort of keep them up and give them big mm. cartoony eyes and and whatnot and um, believe it or not animals don't actually talk in real life <laughs> so, so you don't have to worry about trying to make their mouth move and mm. in time or anything of the same thing. It's a cartoon. You can sort of use a mm-hmm. bit more creative license and, and sort, of, sort of do what you want. And I find it easier to buy into the fantastic, you know, the fantasy, the fantastical world of animals talking and animation. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. can when it's, when it's real life. Yeah. And I think certain things like with the underwater scenes and uh, the scene of Under the Sea that musical number it's so colorful and it's so bright and it's so vibrant in the original yet it just seems like all the life has been all the fun has been sucked out of it when you see clips of the live action and you just think that this is just it's so unnecessary when you've already got all this you know what most people think of as a classic uh, already there and I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, you've still got the classic. It's not going to, it's not, it's not going away anytime soon. And it's like, that's true. And I do get that. But it just seems like, I don't know how much money they spend on these live action remakes, but it just seems like, I don't know if they're going to make their money back necessarily, maybe depending uh, on, I guess it depends on what country they're in. Um but yeah, it just seems so unnecessary when you've already got a, a product that's almost to some people's standards perfection in many ways. And it just seems like they're what I would like to see instead of them going back and remaking the films that did really well, remake some of the films that didn't do well. Because I would love to see a live action Atlantis or a live action Black Cauldron. Because the amount of creativity they could get with those properties and being able to see that in live action would be what I think. I think that would be just amazing to see those live action if they're done well and done with passion. Oh, get there. There's a concept. Come up with something new. That's true. That's true. They could also do that, but then that takes more effort than doing a copy-paste job and trying to tweak things to make it a bit better. (laughs) At the moment, it feels like they're just churning out Star Wars, Marvel, mm-hmm. and these 
animate, you know, these live action remakes. Yeah, yeah, they just seem like I don't know what it is. It might be something to do with the writer strike or something, but it just seems like they've not came up with any new ideas for their live action uh, vault. They just kind of come up with new ideas for the animated stuff. But yeah, it just seems like they've got Star Wars, Marvel, the princesses, and it's like, we can just ride on this coattail for as long as we can. It's, um, I think the next, one of the next ones on that list is, I forget what it's called now, the, the Hawaiian-based one, which had the rock as a character. Oh, yeah, Moana. That's the one. That's that's one they're doing, and apparently someone they cast wasn't deemed Hawaiian enough or something when uh, they enacted the lady. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think uh, the actress herself actually kind of pulled out saying that I think there's people out there that are more um, that are more uh, representative of the character to play the character of Moana than she is. I think it was something, I think she actually herself stepped back. But the thing is, that film's not even 10 years old. It's like, what's going on? It's like, why are we remaking films that aren't even 10 years old that people still it's quite fresh in their memories of going to the cinema to see it and it wasn't like oh that was part of my childhood that was literally less than 10 years ago so strange and then having the rock in there and it's like why it's like what's the point in doing a live action remake if you're just going to bring all the voice actors that were in the animated one into the live action uh, although uh, one thing, and I do need Alan Tudyk to run around in a chicken suit if they are just <laughs> going to bring all the voice actors back, because that would be hilarious. Oh, well, that would be, be great, right? I mean, at least they use a different voice actor um, in Aladdin for the genie, but whether if he was still alive, they would have gone for Robin Williams. Because mm, I know the, um, I think there was a moment where Robin Williams was really angry with Disney in between uh, shortly after the uh, Aladdin movie came out but they kind of came to an agreement for I think the third Aladdin animated film because I think it was something like he only wanted the voice to be used for the film but then Disney were like no we're going to use the voice for other things as well uh, like video games and things like that and uh, so maybe he he might have done it but uh, I think I think the original is so much better, and I like to kind of remember it that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Again, it's another. This is one of the reasons I won't. I don't. I don't want to watch a lot of it because I don't want my sort of memories of the originals tainted. Mhm. Yeah, and I think the one thing that makes the animated ones more timeless is that there's no pop references in there or cultural references that are going to be dated in five five ten years time whereas I feel like a lot of these live action remakes like to put some references to pop culture and things like that in there and it just dates it almost instantly yeah it, it doesn't help like when you sort of watch old films that have got really clunky 
mobile phones or really old sort of computers and that it does sort of age those films a lot more and perhaps they would have if you didn't see any of these sort of 90s computers and um, mobile phones and, and whatnot or you know, mm-hmm. like Spider-Man I always find really, the first Spider-Man when I find always ages poorly because Macy Craig said that one song <laughs> yeah. and that was there. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, is, is there any of the um, any of the remakes you actually do like? You've got a, a few favourites. Um, I quite like Maleficent, um, mostly because Maleficent is one of my favourite villains uh, Disney's ever done. So just getting to see a different side to her and getting to see her story was quite good. Uh, I didn't like the ending of it right enough. Um, uh, that kind of was like, mm, they'd have to go there. Um, but I did like getting to see this different uh, version of her. Like It's kind of like a, seeing a different uh, point of view on the story. Uh, I also quite liked, uh, it doesn't really, I don't know if it counts as the live action remakes, but the 101 Dalmatians film that came out in the 90s with uh, Glenn Close, Close as... Um, Cruella, those were one of my favourite films I watched when I was a kid because I thought Glenn Close was amazing as Cruella de Vil. So I really enjoyed those ones, yeah. Yeah, I suppose they do, but yeah, they were done that long ago. It's before they decide redoing all of them. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like they had more, I don't know if it was just more of, like some kind of passion or they actually wanted to do it and put more of a creative spin on it because the 101 and the 102 Dalmatian uh, live action movies that came out uh, they were they weren't like copy and paste uh, with the original uh, animated movie they had a bit more creativity in it and maybe a bit more creative liberties with the property uh but yeah, it was just so good, and the the campiness of the character was great for Cruella. Just she was also she was comedic, but she was also menacing at the same time, uh, which is just what you want from a Disney villain. You want them to be uh, comedic, but also have that menacing and you know fear factor to them. Yeah, and to be fair, she was definitely a character that needed to be brought into the live action Cruella as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. What was have you ever seen the 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 prequel they did to that? Well, is it Emma Stone? Was it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, I can't actually remember it all that well. Uh, I can't actually remember it like that at all. Much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think with the live actions, I usually see them once, and then that's it. And if I don't remember it, then that, yeah, it pretty much says says everything that it was pretty much very forgettable. I, I don't even, I think I remember she wore like some kind of mask and a red dress at some point, like towards the climax of the film, some kind of masquerade ball thing. But I, other than that, I don't remember it at all. 
and then a lot of these do they still do the musical numbers and that in a lot of these? Uh some of them do. Uh, and some of them for the worse and not the better. Uh, I remember Beauty and the Beast had most of the musical numbers in it and a couple of new ones. Uh, but Emma Watson, uh, I don't know what they did, but she was auto-tuned to hell. Oh, it was awful. I, I, I don't know what they did in the recording studio, but it sounded so robotic and so auto-tuned and it sounded terrible. Um, oh, yeah, it was really, really bad. Uh, although I have heard a lot of good things about the live-action Little Mermaid with the voice actress for Ariel being extremely good uh, when it comes to the singing aspect. Um, so that I'm looking forward to uh, when I see it eventually. Uh, although they did get someone who is a pop singer uh, to play the role. Um, so I'm hoping that it's gonna gonna sound good. Yeah, because I think you do in the trailers. I think you do get clips of a couple of the songs like um, "Under the Sea," and it's mm-hmm. the sound pretty good to be fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Maybe if they, they were actually using Emma Watson's voice, they should have got someone else to sing and then dub it in later. Because that's what they've done in the past on. On other films, I think a lot of the, the numbers we had been sung in My Fair Lady and whatnot with mm-hmm. someone else singing and then dubbed uh, you know, in over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of thing can can be done rather than, you know, well, yeah, like you say, cast somebody who, you know, can actually sing, but suppose they wanted to her star, her star mm-hmm. power to do the movie, but. I mean, Be My Guest is a Stone Cold classic, and if it's ruined that, that's, you know, mm-hmm. I've <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I quite, I quite liked that one uh, from when I seen the live action. It was a lot better because Bill wasn't singing in that song, so you then, oh. it, it wasn't, <laughs> it, 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 I just felt like the auto-tuning, because it was so obvious that it was there, it sounded robotic. It kind of took you out of the, it took you out of the film because it was just so obvious that something was going on with our vocals. It just didn't sound human. It didn't sound right. Um, but yeah, I remember liking the the Be Our Guest musical musical number in the live action. Uh, I thought that was quite good. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. They should have just dubbed her over. They should have. They should have realised in the recording. Okay, this isn't working. We'll just bring someone else in. Because uh, they used to do that with a lot of the animated films. They would have one person do the speaking voice, That's one right. person do the uh, singing voice. So I don't know why they couldn't just do that with the live actions. Because I think overall. M. Watson was probably a good pick for Belle, you know, being this bookworm type character because she's done that before with Harry Potter. Uh, so I think it did work well with that. But just don't, don't let her sing. Just don't, <laughs> don't put her through that because I feel like she probably got a lot of hate for that, and it probably wasn't her fault. It was probably the director's fault for not 
pointing this out, being like, okay, maybe we should go in a different direction with the singing being involved. Yeah, it's a bit like when they uh, did the bloody musical episode and Alison Hannigan decided, I don't think I should sing very much in that. Mm. Once you just try to sing, it's <laughs> a, a good decision. Mm. Uh, I know with the live action Mulan, they took all the singing out of it completely, uh, all the musical numbers. They had little motifs in there with the score, but they didn't have any full out musical numbers. And I think that was so they could try and uh, advertise this more towards the Chinese audience, because a lot of the changes they made in the film was to try and bridge the gap between the China audience and the Western audiences, but I don't know if that really helped much. I said that's a big point, most because that came out during COVID anyway, so mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it even got a theatrical release. Um, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't much of one, because I remember watching, I remember it coming out onto the streaming platform during one of the lockdowns. Yeah. And it was hilarious because they were trying to do this thing where it was called Premier Access, where they yeah. wanted you to spend like, I can't remember if it was 20 or £30 pounds on it. And it's like, what are you doing? Why? It's like you're already paying for a streaming site. And because it was during COVID they were and during the lockdowns, they were trying to basically say, well, if you take a family of four to go to the cinema to see it, it would cost you this amount, whereas you can buy it for one price on here. Uh, but no, that just that didn't work at all. I think that just bit them on the bottom. Yeah, they, they sort of did that on Prime as well. They found Premier things where you'd have to pay like 15 quid to rent it for a couple of days. And I think, that, I think that's been sort of nipped in the bud. And they tried, mm-hmm. it, with, they tried it with football as well. They tried to do like box office football. And, yeah. Uh, the trouble is they, they started with sort of like Burnley versus Brighton and you know, mm-hmm. unless you're a Burnley and Brighton fan, nobody nobody's gonna pay fifty quid to watch that match ever right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think they're just kind of banking on people's nostalgia again. Oh well, you know, they can't go to the cinema to see it. They you know, the only way they can see it is by paying this premium. Uh so I think they are banking on a lot of people's nostalgia of oh I must see this 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 is the new thing this is a new thing that's you know uh, something that I love from my childhood so might have to have to fork out the money for it but I think a lot of people especially during lockdowns they were just like nah there's other things I can watch there's so many other things I can watch on either Disney plus or Netflix you know, uh, so I think nostalgia can only go so far. Yeah, and what they fail to take into account is a lot of people are either not earning any money at all or only mm-hmm. earning at 80% of their wage. So yep. that meant, thing, you know, you really did have to sort of cut back on certain expenditures when you're not earning your full wage and 15 quid to see a remake of a film, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. might not have thought was that great. Begin with, uh, you you just can't above her eye, especially when you're already paying a seven pound subscription for your. Yeah, yeah, and now now Netflix are, uh, 
trying to yeah, crack down on people sharing passwords, even though it wasn't that long ago they were saying sharing is caring. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? They've lost a lot of subscribers recently. Yeah, yeah, they have. I think it's one of those things where they, they push their uh, their customers so far to the point the customers are like, nah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and they've lost a lot of stuff because of Disney, you know, Disney getting the rights back to certain things and, mm-hmm. uh, and with Prime as well. So, you know, the, the, the come, apart from a few sort of spoofer things like maybe The Witcher and Squid Game and, and whatnot, there's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's just getting to the point where Netflix are kind of banking on all their Netflix originals, but then that can only go so far, I think. Especially when you know stuff like Resident Evil gets cancelled after it's you know third season because it's that bad, or mm-hmm. and they seem to be quite obsessed with um, these sport documentaries, don't they? And it's like yeah, started off the Formula One one, now there's a mm-hmm. tennis one, and then I think there's a golf one as well. I'm not mm-hmm. into those sports, but <laughs> tennis and golf seem to be. Maybe niche isn't the right word, but they're not as popular as football. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, especially especially in the UK, uh, football's like the top sport, I think. Um, but yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, you can only go so far. And I actually think the the best thing on Netflix is probably like their true crime documentaries or their scandal documentaries. Uh, but the, there's only so many of those you can do really before you end up rehashing them exactly but they all they all seem to be you know sort of the same the same thing you know some it's popular they just seem to run with it and run with it and until it dies a death because a lot of oh, guardians of the galaxy was okay but um mm. a lot of these of you know like ant-man quantumania some of these uh the other ones it's just it's either deteriorated in quality. Mhm. Yeah, it's like they, it's like they got all their popular characters, and now they're trying to go onto another phase and bring in new characters and new big, big bad villains and things like that. And it could just be that not only is the quality diminishing, but it could be that people are just getting kind of fatigued with this kind of content. Uh, people are just like, yeah, we've seen this before. We're kind of wanting something different, and that could be the same with the live-action remakes as well. Because I think they've still got Hercules coming out, uh, Hunchback in Notre Dame. Uh, I can't remember the others, but they've got like they've got so many live-action remakes all lined up to come out. Uh, it's just one of those where okay, this formula has been going on for about 10 years now can we wrap it up <laughs> can we go on to something different i mean if we did if we did them a bit more sporadically maybe it wouldn't be quite as bad and we wouldn't be having this conversation but mm-hmm. it, it seems like they want one almost every year or a couple of years doesn't they to say it's got that many it's done the load already they've got quite a lot in the pipeline it's just like mm-hmm. it just you know just chill on it you know sit on it for at least one sit on it for a while and then we'll leave, uh, another one here and there but it's just a cash just a cash grab because we've got no other 
ideas and as you said i don't think i don't think a lot necessarily need to be rebuilt there might be a few exceptions mm-hmm. here and there where the, where the bulk of the characters are you know humans but as you say with the lion king when there's no human characters and it's all animals you've got the cgi all your animals anyway mm-hmm. so you might as well have just left that alone really yeah it would have been probably a lot cheaper just to do another animated lion king you know with actual artists and not just cgi it um but yeah, uh, I will say I am kind of looking forward to see what they do with Hunchback uh, because that was one of the darkest animated classics that they brought out. It was just, it had such adult themes in it and I hope, it's like I'm kind of, it's like, like a double-edged sword because I hope that they do it well, but I just know that they're going to put in so much, uh, they're just going to try and, cater it to a modern audience kind of like what they've done with the little mermaid by changing certain lines and songs to make it more uh i guess pc you know to kind of like take away the whole body language part in the poor unfortunate souls song uh so i'm kind of hoping that they do it well but uh mm, i'm thinking Hope for the best, expect the worst. I think that's my mindset when I go into these live-action uh, remakes. It'll probably be the straight back of Notre Dame. But, you, know, you can't upset the hunchback community nowadays. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but, yeah, some, I, I had rooms of a Lilo and Stitch one as well. I don't know if um, I'm yeah. making that off or... Yeah, they are. They are. They are doing a live action Lilo and Stitch. And uh, uh, I don't know how I feel about that one either because Lilo and Stitch is one of my favourite animated movies that Disney have done. And uh, it could could go really bad is what I'm thinking. It could go really bad. Like um, if they focus too much on like the alien you know, the alien part of it, and no, they don't focus on the family aspect of, you know, the sister relationship between Lilo and Nanny and everything. If they focus too much on the comic relief sidekicks, then it's not going to be as good as the original. I mean, I don't think it's going to be as good as the original, but, yeah, it's. I think the original just balanced the comic relief and the heartfelt moments really well. So, yeah, I'm kind of worried about the live-action Lilo and Stitch one. Uh, uh, again, hope for the best, expect the worst. Um, I mean, unless they've got a real alien knocking around, they're going to have to CGI Stitch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be CGI. Or they could go the Muppet route and just make it a little puppet. <laughs> good day, good day. I remember at work a few weeks back from... Tavia would ask me if I had a mm. have you got any have you got any tops of stitch on them and I was like what now <laughs> <laughs> I mean there I'm wearing is. a I'm wearing a stitch top right now actually so they need to find a way to make them cute 
because mm. that's the thing it's like he's meant to be cute and fluffy that is literally his little tagline i'm cute and fluffy so if they don't make him cute and fluffy then there's going to be a problem <laughs> yeah probably an abomination but oh yeah, no <laughs> hopefully it's not as bad as sebastian and flounder oh that was so bad when i first seen it it was like oh no what have they done <laughs> remember remember when they did sonic the hedgehog um the, the yes. first concept of sonic was so bad they had oh to, yeah to that the was awful. And, and that these, was... these, the film studio moaned that they had to do that but i mean it looked nothing like the sonic from the game so mm-hmm. what did they expect and then when they did the re lamp version that looked much better so yeah i don't yeah. understand why they thought they had to change change it so much because it's just and even have you seen the chip and dale thing um uh on, yes there's like a whole segment where he's oh it's bad sonic oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh i remember uh seeing like the first one we've seen of sonic and I'm just sitting there going, what in the seven hells is that? It looked so bad. Uh, but then when they, they did the redo, it's like, oh, that is so much better. So much like better. Film, and I quite like the sequel as well. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, I, lo- I really like the, the sequel uh, where they just start playing Pantera with, uh, with the big robot, robot and Robotnik. Idris Elba was just perfect for knuckles. Mhm. Yeah, and I love that they tease Shadow because uh, mm, I yes. I love Shadow the Hedgehog. I named my dog after Shadow, so yeah, I love Shadow, and hopefully we get to see him live action. Well, that was one time where fan complaints actually did a good thing because uh, it probably saved that whole franchise. I think it does. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, there we go. I think we've rambled on enough. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, only that I hope that The Little Mermaid uh, isn't as bad as some people have been saying. It's gotten a lot of mixed reviews, so I'll hold my judgment until I actually see it. Well, yeah, you're a lot like me. I, I tend to... I mean, I've got a massive 4K TV now, so you know, if I don't want to go to cinema for one I and I've got that and a big sign system at home. <laughs> just wait for it to come out. <laughs> but I'm in a, I'm out in the sticks of the nearest cinema. It's a, a good 30 minute or more drive from, from my house anyway. And, uh, I can't be asked to make that journey just to sit with a bunch of people to, to watch a film. I can probably watch a better picture at home when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just wait for it to come out on Disney Plus and. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll be good. But fingers crossed. Okay. Right. Um, have you got any any plugs around this time? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> All right, I'll go. I'll go through some of mine. So, you can find me at uh, Carlos underscore fire uh, eighty on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, you can check out. Um, other um other podcasts where we talked about the the last of us got a glowing review from none other than scott mcleod so that must be worth checking out 
and you can check by the pod site with Liam and Nathan if we talk football and uh, Secret Invasion, which um, I'm talking to uh, about Scotland. So we'll be really discussing and um, reviewing Secret Invasion on Pod and HDV. Is that something you've watched, by the way, before we go? Uh, no, not yet, but it's on my list. Yeah, I've been quite good actually. It's better than I expected so far, the first two episodes. So um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out so far, I would say. Mm, I, I usually wait until it's all finished and then I binge watch things. I think the pandemic has left me very impatient to wait week to week. Yeah, I did that with Star Trek Picard, the third series. And I was glad I did because every episode ended on a cliffhanger and I had to know what happened. So I ended up oh, I hate that. watching them over a few days. No, you don't like Star Trek the Cards then, no. Uh, I've never really watched much of uh, Star Trek. Uh, I've always into more Star Wars. I know there's this huge, you know, battle between Star Trek and Star Wars fans. But uh, yeah, Star Trek was never something I was ever in, never ever really got into. I like them both. Oh, did you mean you hate it when they end on a cliffhanger? I just said you say I hate that. That's just oh yeah, no, I hate when they end on a cliffhanger because yeah. I'm like, why? Why do I need to wait a week? Yeah, well, I kept doing that with like Dad. The first series of Daredevil, so mm-hmm. that was on Netflix. That was all. So I'd sit there thinking, oh, I'll watch one more. But I watch. I'm gonna have to watch the next one. And you know, you get into midnight, and I'm like four episodes deep. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna have to turn off now. <laughs> yeah, I've had many a. Uh... Many a long nights just being like, I'll watch one more, then before you know it, you're halfway through a season, you're like, I need to go to bed now. <laughs> anyway, let us know what you think about these um, this new remakes. So just advise, do you enjoy them or do you load them for packing? So hit us up at Rosen's for opinions and let us know what you think of them. And I'm Carl Pierce and I will say goodbye. Bye.